back. Randy Tober with you on a Saturday morning, along with Leah in for Max. Leah, Leah becomes the executive producer of the Paul Kurtman Show next week. Yeah. Right, Leah? Yeah, that's really cool. That's good. And um, so we're having lots of fun this morning. We've had some fun with some lighthearted stories and because there's so much negative in the world that's going on right now. And I think that we forget and lose, uh, I think we lose perspective sometimes. You know, when, when it when it bleeds, it leads that old mantra in the in the news business. And, and, and I think that's true and it will always be true. Uh, but we like to have a little fun, like the 10 songs that, uh, you know, are canceled because of misinformation. I thought that was fun. But I saw one more fun story. You can indulge me in this. Do you ever feel uneasy when you go to someone's house and you see, maybe it's a party, you know, and you see a bunch of shoes. Every The party is going on in another room or in the basement. And you enter into the entryway and you see shoes sitting there. And, oh, this is a house where people take off their shoes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not that kind of house. Oh, we aren't either. You know? No, but you know what I mean. Oh yeah. You go there and like, you know, and inevitably what happens is it's one of those times where like my favorite pair of socks I have on cuz it's the nice cushy wool, but as I you know, I as I was putting them on, I didn't realize it. I'm in a hurry, I'm late, and there's a little hole in the toe. <laughs> but I'm putting up with it. And now I have this dilemma, do I take my shoes off or not? <clears throat> what do you do? Well, there was a cute article in the Wall Street Journal by Chris Frieswick, who identifies as a she. I don't know. <laughs> I, um, shoes are one of the things that separate us from other species, she writes. Not only are shoes fabulous, but they protect our soft and not very well-designed feet from threats, both foreign and domestic. Every single toe I ever broke that I got that way was while I was wearing shoes. <laughs> so she talks, she says, I, I, don't, I do understand that there are people who don't wear shoes in their home for cultural or religious reasons. And if she's in one of those homes, she has no problem with it. Uh, and of course she's going to take them off. And she'll also remove them if the shoes are covered in snow, mud, blood, condiments of any sort, lava, excrement concrete dust, biomedical hazardous waste, and she doesn't need to be told to do so. Okay, Lava? That makes sense. Well, she was joking. <laughs> okay. She was just embellishing. But barring shoes outright just to keep your floors clean is bringing a gun to a pillow fight. There's already an effective old-fashioned way to achieve your goal of a clean floor while neither insulting my hygiene habits nor endangering my delicate, vulnerable, long-suffering feet. It's called a doormat. <laughs> and and she points out a couple of other things. So people that think that by wearing, you know, not wearing shoes in the home, you somehow it's cleaner, your floors. E. coli is everywhere already, she writes. You're probably sitting in a big pile of it right now. Professor of microbiology at Simmons University, Elizabeth Scott, says when people see the Arizona study, they're just horrified. <laughs> there are fecal bacterial Machines, babies. Are right. What about people that I've been in houses where people take their shoes off and insist that others take their shoes off and they have dogs running out in and out of the house. <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> you think the dog's licking their paws at the, at the threshold before they come across? Mm -hmm. So what she finally concludes is, and, and here's the other thing, the physical challenge of actually taking off your shoes. What if you're a woman with uh, long boots? You know, you got the high boots. Did you ever see that? What's that film? There's a Broadway musical. What's it called? Sexy Boots? Uh, 
I don't I don't so, pay attention to Broadway, so <laughs> it's a funny Broadway thing. It's a it's a funny Broadway uh, movie, but um, anyway, uh, it's a funny movie. But what if you're a woman that's got it takes forever to put on your boots? My wife has a couple pair of boots like that. It takes forever. You probably have one, right, Leah? Yeah, hard yeah. to do. Yeah. So if you do keep a shoeless home, you should also know that you are probably endangering your family's health, not just their feet. Exposure to low-level filth like that tracked in by friends who refuse to move their shoes actually helps bring a little bit of outside in. Engaging with outdoor microbes is one of the ways that human immunity is developed. There's no doubt about that. Kids that are raised in too clean, a germaphobe environment, they have more allergies. You know, they don't exercise their immune system, which is why I like eating eating leftovers, you know, because it, it exercises your immune system. There are some people that will not touch leftovers, but it's actually, you know, I'm not advocating, you know, if it's like got an odor to it or it's been, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that. You don't want to have to shave the cheese before you eat it, if you know what I mean. Ugh. That's not good. You don't want it to do that. Yeah. Are you a leftover eater or discarder? Uh, definitely leftover eater. It's never yeah, bothered yeah, me. me. too. And there's certain things like chili Ooh, you make chili and then like two or three days down the road when it's had a chance to really, ooh, it's really even better. There's certain things that get better with age, right? Mm -hmm. um, sort of like wine. Yeah, wine's like that. So she, she concludes, my shoe policy for our home is this. Unless there's something seriously nasty visibly stuck to the bottom of your shoes, they should remain on your feet unless you personally desire to take them off. And then, my friend, you're on your own. You know, she says some people will give slippers you know, like little, mm -hmm. I don't know, like little uh, OR shoe cover kind of things. Problem is, unless they're disposable, have someone else been in those slippers? Ew, I don't want to go there, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, uh, so let, I wanted to, I, okay, it's time to, to pivot now. Now that we've had the warm-up act with some fun stuff, it's time to pivot. I Often, you will encounter people that will interrogate you that will you know they're they're woke they're on the left they're they can't they're scratching their head why you just can't see the truth because actually their truth is the truth you know how that is mm -hmm. right? and there's a candidate for governor in arizona named carrie lake and she's a media personality apparently she was a tv banker or something for years a lot of poise a lot of charisma and just oh man a lot of uh, a lot of uh, in just the right way chutzpah she's being interviewed by an australian 60 minutes <clears throat> anchor and i just wanted to play this for you because i think we all need a little a, a little schooling with a way to model how to get in the face but in all the right ways of someone who either is interviewing you or has an agenda and won't listen to you and can't believe you and insult you and sort of, you know, is condescending to you. So take a listen to candidate Carrie Lake. She schools us on pushing back against progressive journalists and others in your life. Take a listen. So when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I, I gave you 15 minutes. We promised you 15 minutes, sir. Well, no, you promised us 30 minutes actually yesterday. Uh, well, I never promised 30 minutes. I told my staff 15. Really? I don't think that's true. You don't think that's true? When we came in, no, we said we have 15 true. minutes. I've got it on tape, sir. I don't think that's true. I have it on tape. Did we say that on tape? Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm sorry that you asked the same question three times and wasted your time well, with I'm the same sorry. question. I'm sorry you couldn't bring yourself to actually see the world in a different light. Well, are you a journalist or, or an unbiased journalist? Or not? Oh, but, why? Where is it? Why uh, are you trying to tell me how I should see the world? 
You're a journalist. No, you don't get any, you're you don't a journalist. Get any questions to me. You've cut me off. You don't get any well, questions to Well, you're a me. journalist, sir. You should be unbiased. You shouldn't be telling me how to see the world. Oh, really? Why are you trying to tell me as a journalist how to see the world? I don't understand that. It's not a journalist's job to tell me how to see the world. This is the way Trump people do it, yeah? This is what happens. You have one narrative and that's it. You can't no. think out of the box. Sir, I believe you have that narrative. I believe you have that narrative. You're walking away, Kari. It's I'm the not same old story. I'm not walking away. I promise you 15 minutes. But unless the narrative fits your description of the voter fraud and all that sort of thing, then you, you're offended. You somehow I'm, can't handle the truth. I'm not offended. I want the truth. You, you offend me not at all, sir. You offend me not. You can sit in Australia without your rights, but we have rights here, okay? Well, you, you can make all the xenophobic comments you want. You, you can you can try and put the light. This is almost okay, satire, so, the way so you're you, approaching you get, this. You get and a little idea people- of what she did. She she basically used a little jujitsu on this guy, right? He's saying, oh, well, you, you can't think out of the box. You only have one way of thinking. You just can't see the truth. She's no, no, you have your truth and that you can call it your truth, but that doesn't mean you're right. You know, you got to push back on these people. And ladies and gentlemen, as you become more active at the school board meetings, as you're more and more aware, that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic. Parents are aware of what their kids are being taught now, right? Revisionist history. America is bad. It all started in 1619. Uh, the founding fathers were a bunch of misogynist, uh, you know, b- 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 bigots. Uh, you know, are you kidding me? Taking taking a cultural reality from the past and applying today's standards for it is absolutely intellectually dishonest. It is dishonest, and it's not right. And we need to push back. You're going to be interviewed when you're at the school board and you're making your comment, and KTVI, Fox, you know, whoever is there locally and wants to interview you, it will happen. If you get active in politics, and we're leading into a very, very turbulent, active political season, this campaign is going to be bare knuckles, sharp elbows, you know, and and we have to learn how to push back. And you you, you can't adopt their narrative. And she didn't. She said, oh, no, sir. No, you're a journalist. Stick to journalism. And I have to tell you, I we were interviewed by three um in at my hospital, we were interviewed by uh, well the the head journalist and then two associates uh, in the production team by a CNN team last fall, wondering why I and my board had said we are not going to have our employees vaccinate. We're not going to do a, a mandate. We encourage vaccination. You know me. I'm on record. I'm pro-vax. I'm anti-mandate. And. And that got out on the on the national news wires. Well, next thing you know, CNN calls and they send a team out for three de- three days to spend time up in our neck of the woods, in rural Missouri, to to uh, to interview us. And and the story came out. Then uh, it was I guess it came out in in I don't know early mid October. I was in Cozumel in, in Cancun. We had to use a, a voucher leftover because the pandemic, you know, and it was going to go. That was not a very fine on the mask on the plane and all of the protocols, whatever. That's another story. The story airs on a Sunday evening. And the next thing you know, I mean, it blows up because the way they produced it was. And I remember sitting for the interviews. I said, look, we have a workforce shortage. There are times when we need to go on diversion, not because of lack of staff uh, beds, but because of lack of staff. And I can't have people have said, if you make a mandate, I'm looking for an excuse to get out of health care because I'm burned out. 
I'm underpaid. I'm overworked. I'm exposing myself to terrible disease. You know, yada, yada. And and it's I'm one mandate away from getting out of here. I'm going to go sell insurance or whatever, you know, work remotely. Now, there's a lot of dedicated people who said the same thing. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll take a pause and I'll come back to health care. But you're not going to tell me what to do. And a lot of the times it was young women who reproductive age, they're wrong, but they thought there was some threat to their reproductive potential from the vaccine, which is not true. It has not been borne out to be true. But that said, and so my point to the journalist was, look, I'd love to have everyone vaccinated. I think it's a good thing, you know, but I'm not going to force people to do it because I don't want to lose staff. I want to have someone taking care of people rather than not enough people. I mean, when you come in for a heart attack, I told the the journalist, you don't really ask your caregiver, are you vaccinated? Oh, don't take care of me. No, you don't do that. If you're bleeding from the spleen because you had a rollover car accident, um, uh, Dr. Tobler, are you vaccinated? Well, you know, you don't ask that. You just want help. But but my point is, these journalists kept hammering. I can't believe you people. You you only have a vaccination rate in this community of 30%. What's the matter with you people? Very judgmental journalism, you know? And I pushed back. I said, look, I said, you, you people have it all wrong. I said, you know, your journalists make fun of, you denigrate, you're condescending to people in flyover country in the Midwest here, hardworking people trucking the goods here and to and fro, yeah, trying to keep the ends, uh, the, the the ship afloat in rural hospitals that are struggling, you know, you don't live our lives. I should have said you don't have our lived experience, but I, <laughs> I should have said that. I said, come on. I said, look, I'm a, I'm an equal opportunity, um, you know, judge of of the truth as best I see it. I said, your truth is your truth, but there's more to the story. When you've got a deep labor pool in New York City, I guess you can afford to have a mandate. God God love you. Good, whatever. This is a different situation here. And I said, by the way, I've called Tucker Carlson out because he at that time was saying the vaccine is not, a, it doesn't work. Well, no, that's not true. It's just not true. And I said, I wish that you would do the same for your journalists, CNN. I was in their face. And that's what you need to do. Just like Carrie Lake was in this Australian journalist face. You need to get in their face and stand for what you believe. And when they say, like, what's the matter with you? You say, what's the matter with you? Who's mm-hmm. fact checking you, buddy? You're a journalist. You're here to report on what I have to say and let the people decide. If you want to put yourself out as an opinion journalist, as an editorialist, that's fine. But if you're a journalist, be a journalist. Sorry, I got on my soapbox there. but (laughs) You can't tell the difference anymore. When you read the paper, the above the fold front page of many newspapers, the New York Slime, the the Los Angeles Slimes, um, you don't know. And by God, it's, it's editorial mixed with with news, and it's not right anymore. You have to be very critical of it. Oh, my gosh, I've gone over. Yeah. Once I get, That's why they call it the Ranty Tobler Show once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Leah's giving me the wrap it up sign here. Okay. Well, when we come back, I, I, I do want your opinions on the legalization of marijuana. I brought this up on my Columbia and Jeff City uh, weekday shows. Leah's got the dreadlocks on guys. Missouri might become Marley country. You never know. If Ron Hicks, Bill, Representative Ron Hicks, from the St. Charles area, if he gets his way, he filed House Bill 2704, the Cannabis Freedom Act, last week. 
It's an omnibus marijuana legalization bill that legalizes marijuana for adult use, releases all nonviolent marijuana offenders, creates a protocol for individuals to expunge prior marijuana offenses. It also allows individuals on probation or parole to legally use marijuana. That's an interesting one. Creates a tax deduction for those denied marijuana licenses in Missouri's medical marijuana program in the amount of their application fees paid to the state. And it creates a tax deduction for marijuana business operators who can't deduct business expenses from federal taxes because, you know, it's, it's illegal federally, but the feds don't enforce it. But they won't allow you to deduct business expenses from your federal taxes. That can be pretty, that can be pretty formidable. Um, and creates protections for banks doing businesses with legal marijuana businesses. And allows hospitality operators, including bars, restaurants, and lodging establishments, to provide legal marijuana consumption spaces. Pretty broad, broad ranging. I mean, that's, that's like... Open the doors. Open the floodgates. What say you? 314-912-1019 here on 1019-941 News Talk STL. I uh, I don't know. He, I talk with uh, Representative Hicks on my uh, on my uh, drive time show in, in mid-Missouri. And it was an interesting uh, discussion because at first I was sort of against it. And then the more I thought about it, he says, look. The constitutional amendment process is so messed up here in Missouri. And, of course, there's there's moves to fix that this session, too, which I aim to talk about if we have time this morning. If not, we'll cover it next week. But, look, the, the medical marijuana bill was brought in by special interest. And the way it uh, – not bill, but it was a constitutional amendment. And, it, and the way it rolled out then, it, it really was not well thought out. And people who, you know, suddenly the state is picking winners and losers in who can who can grow it and distribute it. Uh, some people are shut out from a free market, if you will, uh, for medical marijuana. And whether you agree with marijuana medically or not, and its production and distribution shouldn't, if you decide, if it's legal, and if you decide to do it, why is the state saying we can only have X number of growers or distributors? Why? And, you know, so he says, look... The legislative process should be in charge of and in control this, not a 50% plus one majority vote that, you know, may end up with unintended consequences. So that's that's my concern. 314-912-1019. Would you be in, in favor of legalization for recreational use, um, expunging nonviolent offender records, uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thought. I, I, I like we were talking earlier. I'm I think I'm okay with it as long as we cut the welfare system off at its knees. Because a, look, there's a there's a there's a big connection between between extended poverty and and substance use. Now a lot of people go to alcohol. They do, but that doesn't mean that we should add on to the options for people to you know continue to self medicate. I mean that's why people use this stuff, right? It's self-medication. Why do you use? Why do you take a drink? It's to relax. To relax. You don't. You don't do it because vodka tastes good. I mean, really. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, yeah, it maybe you enjoy the flavor of a wine or a, you know the nose on a wine or a scotch or a bourbon. I get that, but you know, people drink to to, to relax, but it also leads to problems because it unfilters you. That's what that's what marijuana does. So Rick is and on. That's the, okay. Oh, sorry. 
Go ahead. Uh, no, Can I was just going to say Rick is on the phone and wants to talk oh. about the marijuana. Well, let's have a let's have a conversation with Rick. How you doing, my friend? Welcome to the Tober hey, Show. Hey, that sounds better. I was just old Rick. And, it's old yeah. Rick. I haven't talked to you in forever, old Rick. How you doing? Uh, well, I think I'm doing okay. And that, yeah, just been busy with the snow and ice. I take care of a lot of folks and and places around the territory here. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> I just figured that uh, since one of the places I've been at's been in the news a lot lately, I thought we could. Talk a little about it also. And I guess, anyway, you figure it's Ukraine. And uh, you know that I don't uh, think well of uh, dope because I've known some dopes that were on that marijuana before, and it sure didn't make an Einstein out of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's well said. Now, Rick, are you talking to me from Marthasville or from somewhere across the globe? Oh, I wish I was. uh, Back on the backside world, back in the Himalayas and all that stuff. But uh, they kind of screwed that up, our, our government, that is, a little too much. And Well, tell uh, us about the Ukraine. Well, in the Ukraine, I did just spend a little time there, not a lot. But, like, what I remember first was landing at the airport when we got off the airplane and looked around kind of reminded me of an old 1950s movie film. That's how far back it looked like they were living yet. I see. Not as far back as the Muslim countries, which go back to the times of Jesus, but uh, still. So like some of those old Soviet Soviet era movies with uh, and East German uh, landscapes, very, you know, old, archaic, you know, like you said, 50s uh, uh, military equipment and 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 uh, and uh, planes and so forth, right? Yeah, just just the way it seemed. Uh, looking, looking, looking at it, and all. And uh, the hotel that I uh, went to, that I booked and that that they uh, actually uh, had their uh, guard, security fellow, whatever. And I believe he was maybe an old uh, KGB agent feller. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because well, I, I have a good friend. I have a good friend, a good friend who's uh, who's from Russia, and um, well, I guess maybe the old Soviet Union, but you know, basically from Russia, and says that the Ukraine yeah. is currently and always has had a problem with corruption. And for us to get too involved over there, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. What are we doing propping up a corrupt government? You know, I mean, I don't. Where's what's the geopolitical advantage, the national security interest of the United States to to get <laughs> too too far involved in that? Well, I, I understand about propping up corruption, but but uh, a lot of folks here prop up the Democrat Party. Huh? <laughs> well, well said, <laughs> touche. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. At least on that. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know that we're putting any more money into that than much else in that with yeah. uh, Ukraine, but. I wasn't over there exactly official business is more unofficial. There was a there was a museum I went to over there at Kiev that uh, was mostly military and they had one room there dedicated to their uh I don't know if you'd say veterans, at least veterans and I don't know if they were killed in the war or whatever, but the strange part about it was it was mainly 
from where I was at working at the time over there in the Himalayas. It was uh, from the 1980s when they were part of the Soviet Union and their folks were sent over there uh, to fight in uh, Afghanistan. And that was, I thought, rather interesting. And like any yeah. place that I go, I take a lot of pictures of all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Ukraine, it was interesting enough. And that, but I, I didn't uh, go like over to, through the country that much or anything like that. And it was well, around Thanksgiving time. So it was a uh, rather cold, I think colder than here. Not seriously colder, but colder. Because I uh, was sitting in the airplane when I left there, sitting in the airplane from a fellow American that just left Moscow and Russia. And uh, he was telling me about him walking to work in the mornings where he worked at there at Moscow. And he'd have like ice hanging from his eyebrows and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well. Uh, you're painting a good word picture. Hey, well, uh, Rick, uh, I appreciate that. It's been a long time, no talk. Glad to hear that you're back on the true talk environment in St. Louis. News Talk STL 1019 and 941. I'm thankful that you're back. So thanks well, for calling. Makes, yeah, and I sent you an email a week or so ago, so I may resend okay. it to try to make it yeah. easier for you. Okay, please do. I, I'm getting so many, I occasionally miss one. So my wife tells me, you knucklehead, you got to do better on your uh, on your email account. So I'll take a look. You send me another one, okay? Thanks a lot. All right. Talk you to can you stay later. in touch. All right, there he is, old Rick. It's good to hear from him. Uh, he he, uh, Rick has called us from Afghanistan, from South America, from all over the place. Well, as we monitor the Ukrainian-Russian situation, uh, there's a report uh, coming out uh, from inside eastern Ukraine through the Fox network that uh, shelling and bombarding of Ukrainian um, troops by what are reported to be Russian separatists inside Ukraine, some direct hits with um, civilians being uh, being killed and, and injured. And so I think this is just the first chapter in what uh, what promises to be a long book of, uh, unfortunately, of, uh, of violence over there and, and war. And we just hope that uh, whatever happens, happens without this escalating into some some uh, you know worldwide conflict. I, I I hope it's contained, and uh, it just looks like sooner or later. I mean, Vladimir Putin's going to own Ukraine. He's just going to own Ukraine, and then they'll be right up against Eastern Europe. And you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, he's an evil guy, and how George Bush ever looked into his eyes and said he saw the soul. He could see his soul. He's a good man. Why, Ooh. George? You got it all wrong, dude. Well, we'll try to get the the bead on what's going on in Ukraine. And also uh, other uh, stories going on, like the Canadian trucker instance and what what she's hearing on the ground there from Virginia Cruta when uh, she joins us. Of course, she's a contributor to the Daily Wire. She'll join us here after the next break. And then next hour, we'll talk with Adam Zevo, who is a Canadian journalist about uh, Trudeau's tyranny. You know, he's locking bank accounts. Um, It's just tremendous what's happening. Let me play a little. Well, let's play a little sound if you can, Leah. I want to play this sound from uh, uh, from uh, Miss Giuliani, Tammy Giuliani. Very, very moving interview with Tucker Carlson. She owns the Gelato Cafe, the Stella Luna Gelato Cafe uh, in Ottawa there. And uh, she donated $250 to a trucker to fill his tank so he wouldn't have to sleep in the cold uh, and freeze. And uh, got all kinds of death threats. And then her business was 
essentially, you know, shut down for several days. And she was on with Tucker the other day. Do you have that? uh, Tammy Giuliani, uh, Stella Luna. We'll play it when we come back then. We'll play it ahead of of Virginia. Yeah. You're listening to the Randy Tobler Show. Stay tuned for Virginia Cruda coming up here on News Talk STL 1019-941. Glad you're with me. Virginia to connect with Virginia Cruda, but while we do, I wanted to play for you this very poignant and and, and I think so compelling piece that uh, this shop owner, she's a she and her family run the Stella Luna Gelato Cafe. Uh, they're in Ottawa, and and all she did was simply give two hundred and fifty bucks to fill up a trucker's tank, and um, I guess that, I guess they have big tanks, so yeah, God knows what it costs up there for, for uh, diesel fuel because I guess you know in order to keep the, the truck running and keep boy can you imagine the carbon footprint that trucker is doing what that's why Trudeau is cranking down on them it's all about climate change after all how dare we keep our trucks running and she gave 250 bucks and uh, next thing you know had just carnage on her business and death threats and everything take a listen to the interview here and she it was it was a very compelling and heartwarming uh, little piece I think never in my 56 years have I ever experienced a country so divided, um, so full of hatred towards friends and neighbors. Sorry, I lost you. So full of hatred towards their friends of neighbors. Um, you know, they might have opinions that differ from theirs, but they're so willing to publicly shame and humiliate and spew forth angry vitriol. Um, you know, we have been called uh, terrorists for the first 60, 36 hours. We were inundated with hatred, with threats of violence. Um, people threatened our team on the phone, telling them we're coming to get you. We're going to throw bricks through your window. You'll pay for this, you Nazi supporter. I personally have been called a disgusting pig of a woman and that I should rot in hell. Um, our uh, rural shop out in Merrickville, Ontario, someone draped a large bed sheet over our sign i'm sorry it's been it's been a tough few days and i think you know and uh, the sign read tammy supports terrorists um now mama bear is going to dig out her claws on that one and uh we're getting the video surveillance and uh, the incident and we will pursue uh that with the police but um So what a what a compelling piece that is. And she went on to at the end of the piece, she was begging people to just get along. Stop being so hateful to one another and, you know, allow people to express themselves and without being personally attacked. And in sometimes in violent ways, we've seen that. I mean, it started with BLM. It's just we are seeing a, a, a time in our society not just in, in, in the U.S., but across Western society. But, but I think pr- predominantly in the U.S. is where it started, where officials, law enforcement, well, not at the police level, not at the individual cop on the beat and cop in the, tr- in the patrol car. I want to make that clear. But it seems as though prosecutors and judges, uh, the, the, the criminal justice system has just gone awry uh, by not prosecuting uh, the, at, at earlier levels, 
crime that needs to be snuffed out early. Instead, we have, you know, we have a BLM uh, claiming to be a BLM uh, group, subgroup, supporting the the attempted assassinator down in Louisville, Kentucky, where they, you know, they paid the, what was it, a million dollar bail? The, the vi- now vice president of the United States uh, supporting uh, a bail like a GoFundMe site for the uh, for the rioters in Minneapolis, we saw that a couple of years ago. There's there's this tacit and in some cases active endorsement of of violence against people with whom you disagree. And I I don't see anything but people having fun uh, in in the Tumwa. Whether they they're playing plinko. And they're playing. Uh, there's uh, there's hot tubs and there's spot. They're having fun in in Atumwa. Now we have to be careful because they are breaking the law if they're blocking passageway, and that needs to be dealt with. I mean, they need to be dealt with. I'm not saying they haven't. They shouldn't. But the government should deal even handedly, whether it's in with BLM and riots and burning businesses and 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 courthouses and post offices. Or whether it's, you know, no matter who it is, right or left, the equal hand of the law should be applied to everyone. And when we're, we're, at a, we're at a place where if the government, if you don't agree with the government position and you in any way, shape or form show support for a non-government position, you are labeled not only, uh, you know, misinformational, but you are labeled, according to some in government, a terrorist. Take a look. Listen to what Trudeau's, uh, what the justice minister of uh, of Ontario had to say about the truckers. If someone illegally or uh, someone wrongfully has their bank account frozen, by all of a sudden they find, hey, I can't access it. The bank says, well, we've deemed that you're a supporter or your money. You've been supporting the truckers or an illegal blockade for anything. Now that they've got the power, are you saying that <clears throat> what's that recourse for that that Canadian citizen? And are you saying, well, we just have to the government's giving these powers to financial institutions and then just relying on the reasonableness of it? That's the threshold. Evan, we already do this with respect to terrorist financing. Uh, we already do this with respect to money laundering. What we are doing is extending the same kinds of principles and procedures to this situation, which is uh, funding of uh, illegal blockades. It, it's a, it, this isn't uh, this isn't new whole, This isn't new under the sun, uh, Evan. This is something that the police and financial institutions already do together. Uh, in certain cases, we've extended the case, and so they already have experience working in this area. And therefore, when I say we're going to trust their reasonableness, it's based on the experience that we've already had. Okay. okay. So what's the recourse? So, so they have no recourse. They're shutting down their bank accounts. They're freezing their crypto wallets because they did what amounts to humanitarian aid to 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 keep a trucker warm. There's, they're somehow making a moral equivalency between, a, a, you know, supporting a terrorist. I see nothing in Webster's Dictionary that would in any way, shape or form uh, define what's going on with the truckers as terrorism. Terrorism is when you violently assault an innocent person as opposed to an act of war when you, you know, are in uniform and you kill or you know, attack uh, someone on the other side of the battlefield. So terrorism is, you know, random acts of violence against, uh, you know, in the name of some of some cause, right? I don't, I have not seen any, nor have I seen it reported that there have been any acts of violence on the part of the truckers. 
it, it's just it's it's extremely chilling what's going on up there in Canada. And then you think about what was going on in Australia with the vaccination um, mandates and, you know, knocking on people's doors and 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 policing them. If people left their place and they didn't have their vaccine passport and they walked out of the door and they didn't have it, they were arrested or they were deported back into their home. The police state, the emergency powers that are being uh, no doubt invoked and abused and and over-the-top abuse of government power in Australia, an allegedly, you know, Western-type democracy? Canada? Is it coming to a country near us? I think we've seen that in certain pockets. I mean, we've seen when the president leans into the microphone and, you know, says, it's a, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unvaxxed. You know, I mean, this is, this is uh, well, Bill Maher has a feeling about that. Bill Maher, of all people, is beginning to understand and I think is now more vocally and more vociferously calling out government activism and this separation of people and based on if you agree with the government stance and if you toe the line, you're okay. But if you don't, you're somehow separate. You're somehow not tolerated. And he's the one, not Randy Tobler, conf- uh, you know, uh, comparing him to someone in our past about, what, 70 years ago. Take a listen. Justin Trudeau, I mean, I thought he was kind of a cool guy. Then I started to read what he, he said. This is a couple of weeks ago. He was, or maybe this is September, but he was talking about people who are not vaccinated. <laughs> He said they don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic, often racist. No, they're Ooh, not. That was not that, smart of him at all. Right. He said, but they take up space. Mm. And oh. with that, we have to make a choice in terms of a leader as a country. Do we tolerate these people? It's like, tolerate them? Now you do that's, sound like you know, him. That's, mm. that, that would... uh, and recently he talked about them holding, holding unacceptable views. Wow. This, I'm yeah. surprised to hear that Trudeau said those things. You didn't see the blackface? I mean, he, 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 no, I'm kidding. I'm not. I mean, it was not a good look for him. But I, I, I mean, if you read, on, I mean, the way Hitler talked about the Jews, there were these are unacceptable people. We can't tolerate these people. These people are inferior, essentially. This is language that Pierre, no, not Pierre, Justin Trudeau. Pierre was his dad. Justin Trudeau used. And and there's very similar language used by our leadership in the White House and those who support him and those in Congress that if you don't want to get vaccinated, you're, you're unaccept. That's an unacceptable view. Just... You cannot hold that. How could you hold that view? That's not the government position. It needs to be your position. And if it isn't, fill in the blank. What will that blank be? What will that blank be? Will they be freezing your bank account if uh, the next uh, you know, surge comes along and you don't put on your mask? You don't get vaccinated? Now, I am full-throated in support of vaccination for Almost everyone. Okay, I also support that if you don't get vaccinated, 
and you could have reduced your risk and you end up in the hospital, I don't want to pay that bill. Because you could have made an attempt at reducing the risk. If you made the attempt and you end up in the hospital and you go beyond the limits of your insurance, I'm okay. I'll contribute to that. I'd rather contribute to it through directly or through your church or GoFundMe or your you know some community chest, if you will, rather than the government. But I, I, you know, I, as a human being and as a Christian and as a moral being, I, I think it's my, but I don't know that if, you know, I, I think there's, so that's a whole separate argument, but I still reserve your right with this virus at this time with this vaccine to not get vaccinated. I disagree with you. I think you're wrong, but I don't find your view unacceptable. You're something less than me because oh, you're not going to get vaccinated. Nor will I support the government in somehow coming after you, knocking on your door, and putting a yellow star on your place. There, I said it. That's essentially what Justin Trudeau was saying about people who had unacceptable views about vaccination. And by the way, with regard to this trucker's convoy, and we're going to talk with Adam Zevo next hour about that from the National Post in Canada, 90% of Canadians are vaxxed. Many of these... Many of these truckers are vaxxed. It's not about that. It's about the passport. These are truckers sitting in a cab driving down the road. What danger are they? I sound like Hillary Clinton. (laughs) What difference does it make? (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. Well, just be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. When you have government officials that are getting away with that, you somehow you're a second class citizen. You're you're somehow unacceptable if you disagree with the government. Wow, that be very very afraid. Well, that'll wrap it up for this hour. When we come back, we'll uh, mix it up more because I want to really drill down on this t- trucker thing. You're listening to the Randy Tobler Show here on News Talk STL 1019 94. Welcome home. Be right back. <laughs> 